Well, good morning, church family. You can go ahead and have a seat. Welcome to Grace Spring. We're so excited that you're here with us this morning. Whether you're joining us online or here in person, it is such a privilege to be with the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, my name is Kenneth Price. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Spring. I have uh, the opportunity to uh, do a lot of teaching this summer while Brian, our, our lead pastor, is away on sabbatical. We miss you dearly if you're watching online. We love you. Um, and, and go get some rest. <laughs> um, I'm so excited. We, we've been kind of in, in a month so far of our uh, summer of intentionality. This is week three of, of the idea of intentional margin. And we're really looking at, at the movements of Jesus throughout Scripture and how he teaches us to live into wise rhythms uh, and, and to join him in the rhythms that he's already in. Uh, kind of the thesis for, for this uh, section so far has, has been a passage out of Matthew where, where Jesus, in the message translation, um, tells people, hey, are you, are you burned out? Are you tired? Are you worn out? Come with me, get away with me, and I'll give you real rest. I'll show you the unforced rhythms of grace. And so we thought, you know, with this summer, um, it, it's a time for, for rhythm disruption, uh, for a lot of people, it's, it's uh, a time full of vacations. Kids aren't in school. Um, it's a time for grill outs and, and all sorts of different rhythms that, that might not look the same during kind of the school year. And so for this summer, we want to encourage you to live intentionally in every aspect of your life. So from, from the way that, that you live in your home, the way that you live around your neighbors, the way that you go to work, the way that you parent, the way that you grandparent, the way that uh, any of the rhythms in your life, to take a moment for this summer and, and put a period there and say, I can breathe. And so this morning um, is, is going to be uh, just, just an interesting morning, I think, for us to look at, at a topic that Jesus taught about several times. And it's a topic that in America, um, I, I think it resonates, but, but it doesn't deeply transform our souls sometimes. And so this morning we're going to be talking about simplicity. And so I don't know if, if you... Uh, kept up with uh, uh, kind of the phenomenon that happened a few years ago. My wife was obsessed with this, uh, this lady named Marie Kondo. Um, she, she basically, she had a TV show, she had these books that she wrote, um, and she, she talked a lot about simplifying your life, minimizing your spaces, minimizing the things in your life, and she would literally like take stuff out of people's closets, put it on the bed, and then she would like hold up item by item and see if it sparked joy in the heart of the person. If it's like, if it doesn't spark joy, see you later. And so in our friend group, like we, we started joking about even like the, the specific way that you fold clothes, that's the condo way, you know, and like, yeah, I mean, it was wild, but it, it like took off. The book was like the number one bestseller on Amazon for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. There was a, a whole Netflix show about it. It's this whole way of minima, uh, minimizing your life, all of your possessions, uh, to, to make space for the things that really matter. And so with this concept, I, I think sometimes in, in the life of believers, we can look at like simplicity and be like, yeah, I mean, why is it important? But I'd like to suggest this morning that as we dig into this concept, that simplicity is not just in your possessions, but it's in your thought life, it's in your schedule, it's in the things that eat up your time. So as we look at this concept of simplicity, what I'm going to ask for us to do this morning is, is to start evaluating the things in our life and, and to hold them up and see if they really spark joy in our lives. And so... As we kind of dig in and as we unpack, I want, I want to focus first on the words of Jesus 
And and we're going to unpack those words that he shared with his disciples. But I I want us to really take time to, to make this a gymnasium this morning, really evaluate where our hearts, our minds, and our spirits are. Because I think the Lord has a lot to teach us this morning as we, as we look at this idea of simplification. So if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to go ahead and start turning to Luke 12. This morning, the primary verses we're going to read are, are going to be 22 through 31. I'm going to invite my dear friend Karen Levine to come up and uh, read the passage for us this morning. And um, I'm, I'm excited about uh, the words of Jesus for us and uh, the, the work that they'll deeply do in our hearts this morning. So welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Can you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah. My name is Karen Levine. We, uh, my husband and I have been um, blessed by worshiping here for about 24 years and have been members for most of that. My husband serves as an elder. He's served as an elder for 12 years, and there was a little sabbatical there, and now he's serving again. He's also on the finance committee. I um, have served as a deaconess for a while, and I also sang in the choir for all the years that I still could sing. (laughs) And um, I also led um, Lord's Table. What I'd like to say about that, all of those things, is that there was a time for me to serve and there was a time for me to let go and let other people Um, experience the joy of those things and I I was so blessed especially with doing all the decorating so to speak it was the things that visually um, enhanced the church that made you want to worship and and made you um, excited about coming and hopefully glorified the name of Jesus Christ but when I handed the torch over to people like Lauren Dorlag everything just blossomed. It was um, just a joy for me to see that um, so it, handing the torch was a really good thing. Yeah. And Ethie DiNardo taking care of uh, Lord's Table now and the people that serve with her so well, it's, it's just nice to maybe grow old and watch other people take over. I'm blessed with um, a beautiful daughter who lives in Colorado. We have three incredible grandchildren and I have a wonderful little great-granddaughter who's the light of our life and I have a son in heaven and I'm thankful to know that's where he is so if you would stand with me this morning and if you want to turn to page 1035 we're going to read from Luke 12 29 22 and he said to his disciples therefore I tell you do not be anxious about your life what you will eat nor about your body what you will put on for life is more than food and the body more than clothing consider the ravens they neither sow nor reap they have neither storehouse nor barn and yet God feeds them of how much more value are you than the birds and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his lifespan if then you are not able to do as small a thing as that. Why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, 
How much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For in all the nations of the world seek for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek His kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. This is the word of the Lord. Praise Thanks be to, be to God. Thank you so much. All right, family, you can have a seat. All right, so Jesus just preached the sermon. I think we're done here. Worship team, you can. Kidding. All right, so this morning, as we look at this idea of simplification, uh, I, I want to unpack the words of Jesus here and, and what he is telling the folks who are listening. And so, as we kind of wrap our minds around the idea of simplification, uh, this, this guy who's a lot smarter than me said this The solution to an over busy life is not more time, it's to slow down and simplify our lives around what really matters. How many of you have ever said something along the lines of like, man, if there were just a few more hours in my day, right? That, that's kind of a, a common, common theme. But, but what if the solution to the longing in our hearts isn't more time? It's to do the things that really matter. It's to simplify and, and do the things that matter. Now, I know there are certain things in, in the schedule of your life that you just can't get rid of, right? If I'm looking at simplifying my life, uh, and I'm like, well, sorry, kids, like I'm not cooking any more meals. Uh, that's just one of those things that, that's going to live rent-free in, in my house until they graduate. Um, you know, they've got to eat. So that, that's something I would suggest that we can't simplify. But, but if we look at all of our priorities and all of the things that we're doing in our lives, all of the stuff that we've accumulated in our houses, all of the, the thoughts that are, are living inside of our heads, I would guarantee that if we were to take uh, the world's biggest piece of paper and try to jot all of those things down and then audit them one by one and, and look through all of those things, I guarantee that you would see in the midst of that that maybe, just maybe, the solution isn't more time, but it's prioritiz prioritizing the things that matter. And so what did Jesus say about this? I think it's so interesting to look into his words and, and to really hear the heart of our shepherd here. I mean, it, throughout this, he, he gives some really practical examples. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, about your body, what you'll put on. Life is more than food and, food, uh, and the body more than clothing. And so very first thing here, he's talking about our body. He's talking about our, 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 our possessions, the things that we have, the things that we, that we need. So I, I think clothes are a pretty big need, right? Especially here in Michigan, um, especially during the winter. Like, you need a jacket, that's important. But the heart here that I, I think Jesus is getting at is, is that when we make the minor things the main things, we steal life from ourselves. And so there's, there's these kind of two contrasting um, ideologies that kind of go along with each other here. So this idea of simplification, this was a thing the desert fathers, they fled from, from different places all these years ago, and, and they went to the deserts of Egypt to try to live a more simple life and to seek God more. So what you'll find is at the, at, at the time, what was happening is Christianity became the official state religion of Constantinople, and what happened is in that time, a lot of these fathers, uh, they, they saw what was happening in their society where there was this, um, there was this meshing uh, of church and state. And they said, like, man, what we're seeing here in our community, in the people around us, is, is that w there's this enmeshment that's happening. 
Um, all of our political views are informing our Christian views. All of our Christian views are informing our political views. Um, so much to the point that, that if any of those views were attacked on either side, it, it seemed like your character was being attacked. Does that sound familiar? So what these guys did, these monks, they, they said, you know what? There's a lot happening here, and we need to get back to the main thing. So they fled off into the desert, and they lived in communities out there in silence and solitude and, and living lives of simplicity, leaving their possessions behind. And, and they prayed a ton, and they taught a ton. And, and it's some of, of the richest material that as believers that I think that, that you could possibly read outside of the Bible. Because these men dedicated their lives, men and women, dedicated their lives to knowing God and knowing him deeply. And, and some of them, like, I, I, I do think they took it too far, you know. Um, so, like you see that with monks sometimes, like walking around like whipping themselves and that kind of thing. But, but here's the deal is, is that they dedicated their lives to fully knowing God and, and fully walking in his presence and then fully taking those things and teaching others. And, and this is kind of where we see this idea of simplicity start to, start to creep in kind of to the main, um, the, the, the main branches of, of church if you will. And so what happened is they said, you know what, like maybe life is not in all of these possessions. Maybe it's not in keeping all of these schedules. Maybe the more important thing here is to spend time with God. So we've, we've got this idea of simpli simplification as a Christian practice, but then what's kind of crept in uh, through our culture is this idea of minimalism. And so it, they're, they're similar, but not the same. But I thought this definition from uh, the website, The Minimalist, was really interesting. So minimalism is a tool to rid yourself of life's excess in favor of focusing on what's important so you can ha find happiness, fulfillment, and freedom. Getting rid of the excess in favor of focusing on what's important. And what's interesting here is, is uh, their reasoning here, uh, as like humanists, we might be like, oh yeah, that's great, like happiness, fulfillment, freedom. What I, what I wish that they had put on, I understand they're not, they're not a religious organization here, but in Christ, right? <laughs> But that's what we believe, and that's why I think simplicity is important. And so as we look through the text of Jesus, uh, what I want to challenge us to do is, is to really sit here and think about your life. We're going to have kind of three movements here from things that Jesus talked through in this passage. And, and we're going to take time in each of those movements to really think about the things that are clogging us up, right? Um, the things that are, are really important in our life. So, so first and foremost... We, we look at what Jesus said. Don't be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. Life is more than food and the body more than clothing. And then I want to I skip down because this is where he starts talking about the body a little bit. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you Oh, you of little faith. You imagine being like told by your rabbi, like, oh, you of little faith. And it's got like an exclamation mark there. Like that's, it's not just like, a, oh, like how cute. You of little faith. Like, oh, you of little faith. Like, why are you so worried about these things? And so the first movement that Jesus, um, that I want to focus on that Jesus talks about is, is simplicity in our possessions. Simplicity in our things. Simplicity in our stuff. Can I, um, can I tell you like, I, I think every marriage, I think there's, there's a hoarder and there is like somebody who's like more into simplicity, right? As, as Monica and I like joined our lives together, I came in with like all of these totes of like, 
Um, all, of the, all of the things that I had ever done in my life, you know, I had like a, a second grade spelling bee ribbon. Like, why do I need that in my marriage? You know, am I ever going to have to put that out on the mantle and be like, yeah, well, you see, in second grade, I won the spelling bee. So I'm kind of a big deal. But you know what I found is like, is the more and more we, we moved um, and, and we moved into bigger spaces, you know what happened? We filled those spaces, right? And so what ends up happening is like, you've got all these totes, all these bins, all this storage stuff just sitting there and it's taking up space and all the new stuff that you buy, like you got to have space for it, right? Oh man. And so like going through that stuff, it, it was like, it was hard. Because there were a lot of things that sparked joy, and Monica was like, no, it doesn't. It doesn't spark joy. <laughs> Put it in the trash bag. You'll never think about it again until you do a message on simplicity, and then you're going to think about all the things you let go, right? Like, if it was up to me, like, any drawing that Lainey ever drew, I'd, I'd still have that in a folder somewhere, you know? And, and Monica's like, you know, they go to, they, like, during the school year, they go to kids' church two times, and, like, before we're out the door, I'm sorry, baby, all of that artwork goes in the trash, <laughs> And, and, and so, I mean, there's, there's like this dichotomy here, but, but what I've realized in, in living with this person who is wonderful and is so uh, guiding me on the paths of simplicity for, for God's name's sake is that there's so many things in my life that I think that I need. There's so many things in my life that I think will provide fulfillment. There's so many things in my life that, that would make me look back on my life and make me pat myself on the back. There's so many things in my life that represent accomplishments and achievements. And there's so many things that I'm focusing on in the midst of all of these things that I don't even think about how what I own and what I do with what I own glorifies God. It just exists in my house. And the problem is, is, is that there is a desire inside of our hearts to worship. And so a lot of times we'll, um, we'll say, oh man, praise and worship was good this morning. And, and we kind of equate the idea of worship to what happens on this stage, what happens as, as you guys are standing there and singing these songs. But, but I'd like to provide this idea that worship is, is something a little bit deeper. Can I, can I give you a simple definition for what I think worship is? Worship is ascribing worth. So in our lives, we are always worshiping something, someone, period. I'm ascribing worth to something in my life. I'm worshiping it. I'm placing it as a priority in my life to, to get that thing. Can I tell you, like, one of the things that uh, Monica and I have done over the last six months, we were looking for a hobby, and we we're like, man, we're going to, we want to do something together. We started playing pickleball. Has anybody gotten into pickleball? Oh my gosh, it's like, it's so fun. Um, and so, like, I, I was playing, and, and I'm not very good. Um, I have, like, you know, such an athletic figure. Um, but here's the thing, like, we, we play, like, all the time, and, and, and we're playing against these people that are just awesome, and they're, like, you know, zinging shots past me left and right, and I'm like, you know what? I know what it is. It's the paddle. Like, I need a better paddle. <laughs> that's that's going to fix it all, right? <laughs> And so, you know, I, I, I thought about this for months, you know, and I started doing research. And I got on Google and I was like, best pickleball paddles, what's going to make me into the pickleball master, like how will I never like miss a shot ever again, how am I going to return these shots in, in really cool ways. And, and so like I'm, I, I can tell you, like I, I put a ton of time researching, like what is the best one for me? What, what, is, what is my pickleball paddle soulmate? 
you know what's wild is like I, I, I got one, you know, for Father's Day. She was like, you can have whatever you want. And I was like, it's the paddle. I've, I've spent so much time researching, and you're going to lose every time you play against me because this thing is going to complete my skill set. It's not me. It's the paddle, 100%. And you know what? Like, I got it, and, and I unwrapped it, and I'm, like, looking at it. I'm, like, I'm like standing in the living room, like, oh, yeah. Wow. And I'm like, not even balls or anything. I'm just like, yeah. Like, the dog's looking at me. Like, what are you doing? And, and I, I had this thought immediately, um, and I'm going to be honest, like, I sat down, and I was looking at this thing, and it's like, golly, I've been worshiping this thing for three months. And I know that sounds like really goofy, but do you know how much, like, thought space this paddle has taken up in my life? Every time I'm playing, man, if I just had, you know, and I'm joking about that. Like, I'm, I'm decent. Like, I'm whatever. It's not going to solve all the problems, just most of them. <laughs> but I, I've been worshiping this paddle for months. Because I'm, I'm thinking about it, I'm doing research on it, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I catch myself like watching videos of people playing with that specific paddle. And I, like, I mean, there's like all of, these, all of these thoughts and all of this energy that has gone into this, this stupid piece of, you know, rubber and, and whatever material they use. And I know what it is, polypropylene. Okay, I've done the research. But how like that are we? The possessions that we get, the things that that we own, the things that we do research on, the hobbies that we get into, we just accumulate stuff. And you know what's crazy is like now I've got the paddle I've been using for months and I'm never going to use it again. I might like, you know, give it to a friend or something, but, and then they'll have my bad luck. It'll be awesome. But but how often have I done that in my hobbies? How often have I done that with clothes? How often have I done that with, with all of the junk that's in my house where I've put so much thought, so much time, so much energy doing the research, going on Amazon, reading the reviews, looking at all of these things, and I just get it, and I forget about it. It just lives in a closet. You know, chances are in two years, like, I won't even care about pickleball anymore, and it's like, man, what happened with all that time and energy? Like simplifying our possessions, simplifying our life, it's, it's a road to freedom. Because all of those things, they represent something in our lives that have taken up time and energy. They represent things that we have fixated on for whatever reason. And now they're collecting dust. And I would, I would like to say that, like in the midst of all this stuff, it shows us where our heart is. You know, in the Bible, where your treasure is, there your heart is. The things that I treasure, that's where I can find my heart. And so I would, I would suggest, like, one of the ways to kind of break this curse of stuff is, is to simply look at how much of it you have. Like, in, in that stark wake-up call of, like, oh, man, how did I accumulate all this? And then to really start, like, you can, you can make it simple, you know, go, go box by box, do one at, one at a time, once a week, and just, just say, like, is, is this something that, for whatever reason, that I, I'm making the main thing in my life? And then what's cool about that is then that becomes kind of this warning sign for the future for a while until we forget about it. But what, what happens is a- after we declutter and we live in that space, we, we really start to evaluate the things that we put back in those places. Do I really need all of these things? Or am I okay without them? Am I focusing on, on 
attaining, 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 attaining? Am I, am I feeding into the consumerism that's in the world around me? Or am I focusing on what Jesus wants me to do with my resources? Like, I, I don't want this to be like, man, if you've got stuff, like, I, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I've got stuff. But if it can make us take just even a little step closer to Jesus and say, like, I've wrapped up my identity in the things that I own instead of who Jesus is in my life. And some of us, not even thinking about that, right? It's like, oh, I just buy stuff. Like, whatever. Maybe we evaluate that and say, like, why, why do I have the need to buy stuff? Am I trying to fulfill something in my heart that only Jesus can fill? So as we evaluate with our possessions, as we evaluate with the, the things, the, the ever-flowing Amazon boxes that keep on coming to our doors, I don't know how it happens, and neither does my wife. I'm, that's what she tells me. What space does Jesus want to, to be in in the midst of that? Is there, is there a space with our possessions that we can carve out and say that, like, man, Jesus, I just want you to speak into this? Because I think he did. You know? Why are you worried about what you're going to wear? Look at these beautiful flowers. They just hang out in the field, man, and they're like clothed beautifully. Do you believe God can do that for you? Yeah. That's awesome. So I'd really like for us to just consider like what is the place that stuff has in our lives? And how are we stewarding it? You know? If God has given us this this gift of, of things that we can buy with our resources, what are we doing to keep it up and steward it as well? And so simplicity in our possessions. What can you get rid of, and how can you find Jesus in the midst of getting rid of it? I would encourage you to think through that, and, and put up reminders, like, once you're done, like, don't buy more stuff. <laughs> I think it'll work. The second one is simplicity in mind. Simplicity in mind, and I think um, Jesus's kind of conversation here about food is, is part of that. Um, this is what he says, uh, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Life is more than food, the body more than clothing. So consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse or barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? In which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Ow. I know here, like, the the example is food, right? And, like, I I can remember, like, growing up and, like, we, like, listening to a sermon about that and, like, getting out and, like, Mom, what are we having for lunch? And she's like, he told you not to worry about it. (laughs) Can we go out to eat? No. We got food at home. But it's not as good at home. I would suggest, though, that like this obsession that, that Jesus is talking about here, it, it, it's, it's expanded more than just food. I mean, it, it's great to think about like good meals. I love a good meal. But Jesus' teaching here is specifically about the processes that happen in your mind, about worry, about anxiety, about all of the stuff that's going on. And, and so my question is, like, are you anxious? Is there stuff that is just eating you up? I'll be really honest, like, I, I came in pretty anxious this morning. I have a lot of stuff happening in my life right now. Stuff that, that um, just flying out of nowhere, you know. And, and they're, they're good things, they're God things, but, but they're taking up a lot of my thought life. Um, we were in Ohio yesterday for 
Monica's uh, aunt retired and had a birthday, and so like all of the family, um, she has like, I don't know, like 14 aunts and uncles. Um, and it was, it was cool. It was a great opportunity to be with family that I hadn't met before. Um, so like 14 aunts and uncles, like 375, <laughs> kidding, but so many cousins. Um, and so the interesting thing, though, was I left her in Ohio, um, and she's riding back with her mom. And so I had you know, a two-and-a-half-hour drive last night uh, with my boy, and he fell asleep right away. I was like, thanks, you're no help. But I, as I was driving, I started to think about, even this morning, like this idea of simplicity in mind. Why are you worried about what you're going to eat? Doesn't God provide for the ravens? Why are you worried about this? Don't you know that God provides for all of those needs? I mean, like, this should, like, strike us clear in the chest. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? What, what's happening when I'm worried about these things? Do I, do I think that I'm actually able to fix any of it? And what it does is it robs me of the time that I have in the moment. So I'm thinking through all these things, and, and, and there's this battle happening in my truck as I'm driving, right? It's like, oh, but what about this? Oh, gosh, if I do this, and if I say this, and, 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 then, and then that leads into splintering thoughts of like, yeah, but then have you thought about this thing over here? And it's like, well, thanks, I wasn't, but now, now that's in my mind. And like, it just, it's just this like, spiderweb of all of these thoughts and all of this energy that is expended just thinking about it. And you know what? Like, I kept on coming back to this passage, and when I say kept on coming back, like, over and over and over and over again, because I had to. But this is, this is the, the beauty of s- simplifying our mind, is God gives us a very clear promise through his servant, Paul. And, and this is what I want you to hear. Rejoice in the Lord always. Sorry, this is in Philippians 4. I didn't put it on the screen. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone, for the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. What are we supposed to be anxious about? Nothing. And I want to I put a disclaimer here. I am not talking about clinical anxiety. I think that that is something completely different. Um, I'm talking about anxious, swirling thoughts. And this is a safe space for both, to wrestle with both, to get help for both. I just want to put it out there, like if you are, are walking through clinical anxiety, I don't want you to hear me say that you can bootstrap your way out of that. That's not what I'm saying. But we do have resources here at the church, the Response Care Center, and, and different resources that would be a great help if you are walking through anxiety or depression or any of these clinical deeper issues. So when I'm talking about anxiety here, I'm talking about generalized angst, okay? Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, some translations say petition. I'm writing out a petition to God, and I'm signing my name on it over and over and over and over and over again. With thanksgiving. So by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus I, I, I think this is so beautiful. It continues, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about those things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and then here's the promise. The God of peace will be with you. 
in my swirling mind in all of the situations that for some reason I think that it would be any good at all for Kenneth to try to put his fingers in and fix, what is God saying here? Don't be anxious about that, man. Like, just chill out. Pray about it. Petition me about it. Come to me earnestly and honestly and give me your petition about this and do it with thankfulness. When was the last time I thanked God for anything that I was walking through with anxiety in my mind? I think here, here's like this crazy piece is that in gratitude, in thankfulness, I forget to be anxious because I realize all of the beautiful things around me. I realize all of the beautiful people around me. I realize God's provision in my life when I stop and say, you know what? Like, God, thank you in the midst of this that I have life, that I have peace, that I have, that I have joy, that I have your spirit living inside of me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You see, like this gratitude key, it unlocks something beautiful in our lives, and then it helps us to start focusing on these things, whatever is, whatever is uh, true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. I start thinking of those things and putting on the mind of Christ and getting myself out of the slump of the anxiety, and I start to simplify my mind and say, you know what, instead of these 17 things that are swirling around constantly, I can focus on the one thing that is the answer to all of the things. And let me tell you, I said for a reason, I had to do this over and over and over again, because those anxieties, once we have given them a foothold in our lives— they don't want to leave. And so we like, got to constantly be like kicking them in the tail and saying like, Lord Jesus, you know what? Through prayer and petition in Thanksgiving, this is what I need from you. And I'm going to think about the good in this. I'm going to think about your justice in this. I'm going to think about the goodness of God and declare the promises of God in this situation. And then what's going to happen? Paul tells us that the God of peace will be with me. The God of peace, the God of, of shalom, the God who restores all things as they should be, my thought life included. Simplifying my mind, the, 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 the thing you can do here is to stop dwelling on it. I think like there, there's a reason that Paul throughout his letters talked about the, the thought life. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Capture every thought and make it submissive to the will of Christ. You, you see, like Paul was, he, he knew that, that if the enemy could get a hold of our thought life, that he could keep us trapped up, bound up, and keep us from being formed into the image of God. Because instead, we're being formed into the images of our anxiety, and we're translating and transposing those things into the world around us. What happens if you're, if you're a fully anxious person all the time? You bring a cloud of that everywhere you go. And I was guilty of that this morning. I walked into this place and just feeling some of those things still. And I had somebody stop over and say, hey, what is going on? Like, yeah. This is what I'm walking through. I've been trying to Philippians this thing. And you know what? It's truth spoken in love then, too. Oh, you have little faith? They didn't say that, but they probably should have. I might have, like, put up my fist for a second, but, like, I mean, dude, what am I supposed to do? In my thought life, in the anxieties, in the brokenness, in the frustration, in, in all of the things that are swirling around that I can't get a hold of, don't be anxious about it. Instead, 
I'm going to keep repeating this because I think we need this, by prayer and petition in thanksgiving, give it to God. Then focus on all the goodness of God. And then the God of peace will literally be with you. Is there anything more beautiful? God is like literally saying, like, I will trade you all of the things that are giving you grief, and I'll give you all the good things. Why don't we take up that promise? Because the anxiety is our friend. And we have been hanging out with it for so long. Like, how do I give that up? It's just like the possessions in our house. Do they spark joy? No, but I love them. The third and final thing that God wants for us is simplicity in spirit. These words are beautiful. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. In Matthew, it says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. What is simplicity in spirit? Now, this one goes a little bit deeper than the anxieties of life. Simplicity of spirit is slowing down and killing idols. It's slowing down and saying the things that, that I am worshiping in my spirit cannot be on the throne there anymore. Some of those things are our possessions. Some of those things are our anxieties. It might be the need to be right. It might be our hobbies. It might be friendships. You can insert anything into that blank. If it is occupying space on the throne of your heart instead of God, we need to cut it. What's he say? Seek first the kingdom. Everything else you need will be added. He's very clear about this. Very, very clear. The only thing that should be occupying the throne of your heart is the king that deserves to sit in that throne. How we simplify our spirit. We starve the other things that are vying for our attention. And we feed into the one that should be sitting there. So my opportunity in, in simplifying my spirit is to spend time with God. It's to follow him deeply. It's to seek him in all of my ways. To walk forward in the kingdom, in the world around me. And to starve out all of the other junk that thinks that it knows better for me. Easier said than done, right? But I think that's why, like, these types of audits are important to say, okay, what are, what are the possessions? What are the things that I'm worried about? What are the things that, that maybe I'm not even worried about but are occupying so much time and energy in my head in attaining and saving up for and doing and doing and doing and doing that it's taking away from my relationship with God? What, what are the thoughts in my head that are keeping me from the main thing? What are the idols in my spirit 
that I can't let go of. As we like really dig into those things, as we, as we think through them with everything inside of us, God will make known what he wants to do in your life. And kind of the cool thing about that is like once he makes that known, like we, we can be like, ah, I keep on trying, I keep on trying. You can hand it to him. And it might be hard to, to break those addictions to those things. But do you know, like, we, we serve a God who wants nothing but, but good things for you? He loves you so much that, that he heaps up his goodwill and his favor on his kids. He doesn't want you to be trapped up in those things. Why else would we have such a promise that, that when we approach him with thanks, thankfulness and looking at his character that he will be with us? He wants that. He delights in us. It's a joy for the Father to spend time with us. So we have an opportunity then to, to really lean into God's pruning. I'm trying to get there, I promise. John 15. This is what Jesus says. I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Each branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are, are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is it that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You see, like, what's wild here in the midst of all of this is that, that there's pruning that has to be done. There's pruning that needs to be done. What's wild to me is, is watching, like, a vine dresser, and they'll take perfectly good grapes, cut them off, and throw them away. Because they know that if they do that, it'll provide space for even better grapes to grow. There are a lot of things in our life that are taking up space. And they're good things. But they're still taking up space. So the call from Jesus this morning is to evaluate both the bad and the good. And say, which of these things in my life, both in my, like in all three, my body, my mind, my spirit. What's taking up the space that Jesus wants to inhabit? And how do I go about allowing the vine dresser of my soul to cut those things away so that more and better fruit can be produced? He wants to do it in us. So really quickly, here's some things to consider. Ask yourself, does this thing, whether it's a thing or a thought, or an idol, does it give life or does it steal life? 
how would I feel if I gave that thing up? And does this sacrifice honor God and end up providing space for him? Evaluate. Everything that comes up in your mind as, as you ask God to, to help prune, ask those three questions. Does it give life or steal life? How would I end up feeling if I gave it up? And does this sacrifice honor God and provide space? And here are some very helpful practices as you go about this work in your life. I would ask like every day in your prayer time, Lord, make one thing known to me that is worth pruning so that I can get back to the main thing, his kingdom and his righteousness, and then you're going to add everything else I need. So here's some helpful practices. Ready? Prayer, asking God, and listening. Don't just say, like, God, I, I need to know what to give up. Okay, I got it. Bye. But, like, like really get in and say, like, God, I'm, I want to listen to you. What is, what is the one thing that is taking up the most space in my life that you want me to get rid of right now? Fasting. So in simplicity, fasting is another practice that, like, I will give up food to simplify my life and hear God's voice more. Sacrificing what the flesh wants so I can get what the spirit needs. And third, organizing your space and your thought life. Like, if you're not a very organized person, like, watch some YouTube videos. But, like, seriously, like, what will help you so much in your life is if your space and your thought life are more organized. I don't know what that looks like for everybody, but, you know, for me, sometimes it's just starting with small things. Like, what can I, what can I bring some order to right now in the next 15 minutes? Maybe that's all I got. But it's so helpful to practice that because then it helps me to prepare for what Jesus wants to do more intently in my heart as I, as I focus on letting go. Because it teaches me that I'm not God and that he is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning and the opportunity to think about simplifying our life. I pray that this would be something that um, is real and authentic in our lives as we seek him, uh, seek you and, and the work that you have for us. And Lord, the, the heart of all of this is to simplify our life so that we can see you better, so that we can feel you better, we can know you better. So Lord, I do pray that you would just help us to take a step back, get rid of some of the junk, and know you better. Seek you more and keep you on the throne in our hearts. Lord, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you sing with us, church?